This is VLX number 77, My Spirit Upon Him. We are in Matthew chapter 12, verses 15 through 21. God give you his peace. In nomine Patris et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. God, our Lord, we ask the grace that all of our intentions, actions, and operations be directed purely to the service and praise of your divine majesty. In nomine Patris et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he healed them all and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench, until he brings justice to victory, and in his name the Gentiles will hope. Thus are the words of the Holy Gospel. As you know, my name is Father David Nix, and this is the Padre Peregrino podcasts and YouTube channel. Always the same audio on both of those. Quick request here, please, if you like this series, invite a friend, and also rate it on Apple Podcasts or whatever you use on Android. You know, as I do encourage families to have their kids, even five-year-olds can go through this series, especially the meditation part. When you invite a friend, make them realize you don't have to be an advanced scripture scholar to get this. Just remind them there's even little kids who are able to meditate through the imaginative way of prayer. You know, today, this morning, I was walking through a coffee shop and I saw on their little bulletin board a uh, sign, a poster, a flyer promoting, quote, healing meditation and Reiki, end quote. And, you know, I was just reminded again that there are so many ex-Catholics out there looking for peace, looking for a spiritual high, and we've never provided this uh, very much um, in the Catholic Church since Vatican II. You know, before Vatican II, lay people were expected to go on retreats. Last Saturday was the um, feast day of St. Ignatius of Loyola, who brought tens of thousands of laymen through his Ignatian spiritual exercises upon which this series is based. So this idea that uh, it's a new idea to bring lay people to holiness, it's just garbage. Um, the Catholic Church has actually expected lay people to meditate and I really believe that in that vacuum of people not inviting people to meditate is why we have these bulletin boards full of flyers that say things like, quote-unquote, healing meditation and Reiki, end quote. Of course, don't try that because Reiki and those so-called healing meditations often open doors in your heart to the devil. Um, but I understand, don't do it, hear me say that before you hear the next line. But I do understand why people are seeking that um, because they're not doing meditation. And so I can't really preach against that unless I'm providing you guys a meditation source. So this is an additional reason why to lead people to it. As I've quoted many times before, St. Teresa of Avila says, The soul that commits itself to mental prayer, which is the same as meditation, the devil knows he has lost. And as I believe we're going to enter some really hard times here, meditation is not your gift to God. Meditation is God's gift to you. Now, today we're actually going to start with the imaginative model, the imaginative method, since I'm just going to give you some long quotes from Lapide after that. Lapide and the Church Fathers on how Christ fulfills exactly what the Messiah was predicted by Isaiah. 
But because those get a little bit long-winded, and as I said a minute ago, we have kids who are meditating on this, today I'm going to give you the imaginative way first. You know, if you ever read The Mystical City of God, it's a 3,000-page private revelation approved by several popes of Mary Evagreta, who is, I think, a 17th century venerable Franciscan nun who had the definitive vision of the life of the Blessed Virgin Mary, again, in that 3,000-page Mystical City of God. What Mary of Agreda says Mary was always reading was the book of Isaiah. And so my suggestion for your imaginative way of prayer, whether you're an adult, an elderly person, a child, a toddler, is read Isaiah today. Put yourself in a room, a, a small house in Nazareth with 14-year-old Mary um, before Jesus was born, and ask Mary her expectations of the Messiah. Ask Mary about her expectations of the Savior of the world. One of the things that Mary of Agreda, or maybe it was Bridget of Sweden, says that at this time, no one in the entire world was praying for the Messiah as hard as the Blessed Virgin Mary. And one of Mary's main prayers about the Messiah that she was begging God for was to just be the handmaid of the mother of the Messiah. She wasn't praying to be the mother of Messiah. Of course, that's what she became. But she was just praying to be the sidekick or the um, handmaid of the mother of the Messiah. That's how humble she was. But she was reading Isaiah so much, probably had it memorized by that point. I guess she didn't have to really read it, but she probably had it memorized. And so I'm going to suggest whether you're an adult or child, turn this series off, put your phone in airplane mode, and place yourself in a room. And again, read Isaiah with Mary um, before Jesus was born and ask her her own expectations of the Savior of the world. Now, for non-Catholics doing this series... Um, Realize that you would have no problem if I said, talk to a centurion about Christ or the little girl raised from the dead after that. Certainly even people in that Protestant TV show called The Chosen talk among themselves and turn that into prayer. So here's the thing. You don't have to agree, you non-Catholics, you don't have to agree yet with Catholics that Mary is the greatest saint in the world. But you can still talk to her in your imaginative way of prayer without feeling guilty of idolatry. But you have to remember, I mean, this is really what the community of saints is. We live in communion, union with, communion with the saints who've gone before them, before us. We don't adore them, we adore God, but we do live in communion with the saints, and that's why it's okay to talk to them. So imagine doing your VLX or mental prayer with Mary as a 14-year-old as she was reading about this, the future Savior of the world, and discuss with her, open your Bible after you turn your phone off, and look in Matthew 12 there, and see how Isaiah describes him especially Christ's gentleness, that he will not quarrel or cry aloud. It says, quote, Nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench. So for the study method, let's dissect today's passage. First of all, notice that Jesus heals everyone who came to him today. Now remember that some towns who don't have enough faith, only a few people get healed, but today it says he healed all. Pontus in the Greek. You can go look. Verse 15 right there. Pontus in the Greek. But then Christ orders them not to make him known. Why? Is it because he doesn't want the Pharisees to get mad at him? Well, maybe, but probably not since he knows they're going to kill him anyway. No, we have the reason right there in today's passage. The reason Christ does not want to be known is because he is against fame. And that is why St. Matthew tells us his opposition to fame is in union with the fulfillment of of the gentleness of the Messiah. Listen again to Isaiah from today's passage. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, 
and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory, and in his name the Gentiles will hope." End quote. So first of all, remember that even from the very first book of the Bible, we know that the Messiah will come from the tribe of Judah. Genesis 49.10, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. So notice today, it does say he will bring justice to victory. When does that happen? Obviously at the final judgment, as we heard in Isaiah and Matthew today as well as Genesis right there, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. But, listen again to Matthew 12, 20, citing Isaiah 42, but a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. Until he brings justice to victory. So in heaven, yes, in heaven he will rule by victory, but on earth by gentleness. That's the key today. In heaven Christ will rule by his victory, but on earth by gentleness so as to win as many people to him. And this is why we Christians have to be gentle. That is, the, that is the key today. So let's see what Father Lapide has to say today. Verse 18, Behold my servant, Messias, says the Chaldean language, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul hath been well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him. I will endow him with the gifts of the Holy Ghost at his conception. Father Lapide notes, the Hebrew is abdi, that is, my servant, from whence it is plain, Isaiah here speaks of Christ, not as he is God, but as he is man, for as such he is God's servant. It proves that Christ, by teaching and healing the sick, fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah concerning himself, and his modesty, mercy, and equity, and therefore showed that he was the very Messiah foretold by Isaiah and renowned for these gifts as by certain marks. Instead of whom I have chosen, the Hebrew is, I will receive him. And the Septuagint says, I will take him up, whereas the Chaldean says, I will move him. And he shall show judgment to the Gentiles, judgment, that is, what is just and fitting, for this is the judgment of righteous judges. For Christ, as a lawgiver, shall proclaim the evangelical law, which is exceedingly just, right, and holy, not only to the Jews like Moses, but to all nations, whatsoever by the apostles. Verse 20, if you have your Bible, we'll continue with Father Lapide. The bruised reed he shall not break, and smoldering flax he shall not extinguish. The Syriac and Arabic say, and he shall not extinguish a lamp verging on extinction. This is a genuine proverb, meaning that Christ will not contentiously rebuke and oppress those who are weak in faith, hope, and love, but will strengthen and kindle them by his own meekness, gentleness, and patience. Thus say St. Hilary and St. Jerome. For all these things commend Christ's admirable and divine meekness. Listen to the fathers. St. Jerome says, He who does not stretch out his hand to a sinner, nor carry a brother's burden, breaks the bruised reed. He who despises a spark of faith in the little ones quenches the smoking flax. St. Augustine says Christ's persecutors are compared with a bruised reed that has lost its integrity and to a smoldering wick that has lost its light. He spares them because he did not come to judge.
St. Hilary says, He shows that he might easily break the persecutors as a broken reed and extinguish their fury. Robinus says, The bruised nations were not broken, but were reserved for salvation. Neither were the Jews who were agitated by the wind condemned immediately, but were patiently borne with. The nations in which the flame of the natural law had been extinguished were embroiled in errors, as though in an acrid smoke, harmful to the eyes, or in the shadows of the midst. By Christ, they were rekindled with great fires." Okay, you know, so today I noticed while reading the Psalms that we have this line in there, I have hated them with a perfect hate. And we have to ask, who? Well, of course, the Old Testament writers meant their enemies on earth. But here's the thing, the church fathers, when they have a line like, I've hated them with a perfect hate, they're speaking of the demons, because they understand very well we can't hate our enemies because Christ has given us a command not to hate our enemies. Now, some people out there listening might be surprised we can actually despise the fallen angels. We can despise the devils. Um, why can we despise the demons? Because they knew better when they fell. Now, why can we not despise those humans who persecute us here? Because they might not know better. Now, I realize there's a lot of reasons, but let me say those two reasons again. Demons do know better, so we can despise them. But humans, under, remember what Sister Lucy called this diabolical disorientation, they might not know better. I know everyone's responsible for their sins. I'm the first person to preach against reduced culpability and primacy of conscience and all that, all those loopholes. But here's the thing, and this is me mainly preaching against myself, not you guys, because I, I need to work on gentleness. The point of today's passage that you can bring to prayer and study is is Christ is showing that he himself, who has judgment over all the nations, has chosen to win his enemies by gentleness. And so we have to stay as gentle as the Messiah. And you, you know, the early Christians really got this. They converted the early Re the Roman Empire, not so much by arguments with their words, but by miracles and these three virtues, chastity, fortitude, and forgiveness. Now, most of us cannot work miracles, but we can pray for those three virtues and live them well if we want our friends and our family and even our enemies to convert. Chastity, fortitude, and forgiveness. All those I'm really putting under charity. Charity is the greatest of all, as St. Paul tells us. So remember, Jesus could have had the Father send him more than 12 legions of angels when they were about to execute the Son of God. And yet he lives a gentleness like this. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not quench. Okay, so think of a reed broken just, just hanging by a thread. Imagine you're walking through some marshlands or something and you see a broken, a broken reed. Imagine that the, the reed is bending down like 170 degrees off of it and it's just hanging by a thread. That is the gentleness of Christ. He won't even break that. Or think of a smoldering wick. What is a smoldering wick? Imagine you come up to a candle and you blow it out, and you can still see that tiny little ember on the wick after you've blown that candle out. Um, Christ will fan that tiny ember into flame instead of condemning it as having too little faith, at least here on earth. And then in the afterlife, that's his judgment, not ours. So also, we should not scandalize the weak in faith, as we heard from the Church Fathers today, uh, against not having the fullness of the faith that we may have. And we should not quench the lukewarm, but fan them into flame by our own charity and chastity and forgiveness much more than our arguments. 
Now, I need to follow my own advice on Twitter. I'm quite a bit nicer in real life, but I, I realize as I was making this video, I have a lot to learn on that, so you can pray for me. Now, as I've said before, apologetics will not win souls, but not knowing apologetics will lose souls. So you kind of have to know that. So why don't we close, close with this line from uh, 1 Peter 3. And again, picture this lived out best by Mary and Joseph, second only to Christ. This is 1 Peter 3. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ, the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Please say an hour, Father, for me, that I may practice what I preach at benedictio Dei Omnipotentis. Pace et Spiritus Sancti, descende super vos et maniat semper. Amen.